If you've taken a computer science course in the last 35 years, you've probably encountered the work of Brian Kernahan, a 1969 Princeton PhD grad and co-author of classic texts including The Elements of Programming Style, The C Programming Language, and The Unix Programming Environment. Kernahan's career at Bell Labs and at Princeton has spanned a remarkable period of change in the digital world, as he explained in a recent conversation with Paw. I'm Brian Kernahan and a graduate class of 69, star 69. I was an undergraduate at the University of Toronto. I was there from 1960 to 1964, I guess. And um, at the time, I didn't know very much about computers at all. I think I was a junior before I saw my first computer because this was a long time ago, but it seemed kind of interesting. And then I decided, and I, this I truly do not remember how, to go to graduate school and not in Canada but in the United States and wound up at Princeton because I think several things. I had a good friend who was a year ahead of me at Princeton enjoying graduate school here. Princeton's offer for uh, graduate support was much more generous than other schools that I had uh, applied to and um, also they promised inaccurately that they would get me out in three years but uh, <laughs> it took longer than that but at least it worked out pretty well um, and when I got here of course I there was no computer science department this was all part of electrical engineering at the time, at least as I recall it, there was in fact exactly one computer on campus. It was a big IBM 7094. It sat in a big room all by itself on the second floor of the E-Quad above where the cafeteria area is now. Um, and you didn't get time on that. It had operators and so you would prepare your program on punch cards. This is really going back into the mists of time when dinosaurs still walked the area. Um, you prepare your program on punch cards and you would hand it to an operator and then sometime later you would get your result back and it often was oh I forgot something oh how could I be so stupid and I would have to fix it up and repeat the cycle there were systems that made uh, this somewhat faster fast turnaround for small jobs but for the most part it was pretty slow pretty delayed and um, and that was the situation I think for some several years at least. There was really only that one computer that served the whole campus. The second summer I was here, this was to be the summer of, of 1966, I was very lucky and I got a job at MIT for the summer working on what was called Project Mac and this was their attempt to take their first time-sharing computer system, CTSS, and make the second system, Multix. And that, that was just a wonderful summer. I had an amazingly good time, met all kinds of really good people and did really interesting work and got a feeling, I think that was the first time when I realized just how much fun this stuff could be because unlike the punch cards that I mentioned a few moments ago, the, um, the system there was an interactive system. You sat with a keyboard and a strange device and you talked to a computer that was in a big room somewhere else and it was responsive, instantly responsive. You pushed a key and something happened. And so it made program development far more interesting and uh, much more fun. Then when I was looking for a summer job the next summer, um, I, through good luck and 
the services of a friend, got a job at Bell Labs in Murray Hill in New Jersey, just about an hour north of Princeton. And that, again, turned out to be an absolutely wonderful experience. Many of the people that I was working with there had been people who were working with uh, the Multics operation at uh, MIT. So I, I worked there, I had a great time, did, I'm not sure I'd call it useful work, but at least I did something, and then spent another summer there in 68, and at that point came up with some, in collaboration with uh, a friend, came up with something that turned into my PhD thesis, kind of at the 11th hour, and got that finished. And I had such a good time at Bell Labs for those two summers that um, they offered me a job and I never even talked to anybody else. I just went and spent you know, 30 happy years there before I came to Princeton. So I took a whole week off after finishing my degree and then started to work there. The, there was a fairly strong connection between Princeton and people who were interested in technical things and Bell Labs because geography and, you know, preeminent university on one side and preeminent research lab on the other side. So that kind of connection uh, has been very useful all along. The work itself at Bell Labs was absolutely wonderful because I was there at exactly the right kind of time. This was uh, the very early days of the Unix operating system and all of the things that came from that and I was in the group that did that and so I, you know, just on the same corridor, I had these people who were changing the world. Now, I don't think at the time any of them, and certainly not me, realized they were changing the world, but as it went on, discovered, yes, actually it was having a serious effect. It was, for me, a really good place to be because lots of good people, interesting things to work on, and nobody telling you which one of those things you had to work on so that you could sort of pick the targets of opportunity explore them as much as you wanted and then move on to the next one. There were people creating these really interesting pieces of software, programming languages, tools, and so on, but none of them seemed to be interested in describing them in a way that anybody else could use them easily. And so there was a kind of a niche that I found myself, again, drifting into that I could write down descriptions of how to do something, how to use something. Um, and it turned into actually quite a good way to do things because it was a better match for what I was good. I was not going to be a you know, blazing original contributor the way a lot of these folks were, but for whatever reason I turned out to be an okay writer on these. And so, <laughs> as they say, the rest is history. I got pushed into it, I think, gently originally and almost by accident by Dick Hamming, who was in a sense a mentor, mostly by example, but occasionally by pushing. And at some point, he suggested that uh, we needed a book of style for programming. You know, we have books of style on how to write English, but nothing on how to write programming. And although he had a totally different notion of it than I eventually came up with, that was kind of the impetus for the first book that I wrote, The Elements of Programming Style, that Bill Plogger and I did. And that, that was successful enough and interesting enough, fun enough, that it probably led to the others. We uh, ripped off the style from, as it were, from Strunk and White, uh, the idea of here's some bad examples and, and, and here's how you do it better and then can you draw a general lesson from that. And so we did for programming languages and not nearly as well what Strunk and White had done for English and, and definitely tried to emulate the brevity of their book. Our, and the first book that we wrote was quite small as well.
when AT&T split in 1995 or something, I think it loosened a lot of the barnacles from the bottom of the boat. And um, I spent a semester teaching at Harvard. After that, then when Princeton suggested that maybe I'd like to spend time as a visitor at Princeton, I said, sure. I did that for one year uh, as a visitor. And then through part, part way through that, they said, how would you like to come permanently? And I thought about that for months, an absolutely no-brainer, and it <laughs> took me months to decide, yeah, this would be fun. And so I did it, and I have not had a nanosecond of regret ever since. It's been just a wonderful experience, good fun, hang out with all kinds of interesting people. What I've managed to do is to split life into two components. In the spring, I teach a course for computer science majors, mostly. Um, an upper-level upper course. It's a project course. People go and build really interesting projects. And my role is to stand up at the front and say, you have to do something. I don't care what it is. And then they go and do it. And it's great. And they come up with all kinds of, of neat ideas. And if you look at a variety of systems for dealing with the university, you'll see things that have come out of that class. And then in the fall, what I'm doing now is to teach a course that is for very non-technical students. The typical person in the class will be a history major, an English major, something like that, and trying to explain why the stuff that I do on the sort of computer science side is actually interesting and relevant to them in their lives so that when they're out running the country, they'll do a better job than perhaps some of the incumbents. Alternating between those two and then spending summer somewhere else has turned out to be actually a very nice way to operate, and each one sort of recharges me for the next one. Brian Kernahan is the author of nine books. Most recently, D is for Digital, What a Well-Informed Person Should Know About Computers and Communications, which is drawn from his Princeton course, Computers in Our World. Brett Tomlinson, digital editor of PAW, produced this episode. To listen to more PAW tracks, visit our website, paw.princeton.edu, or search for Princeton Alumni Weekly in the iTunes store. Music for this podcast is licensed from First Com Music.